0: This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. We'll begin in Proverbs 19, then we'll go to Proverbs 4. Those will all be real brief. And as you're getting a Bible and as you're turning to Proverbs 19, just a couple questions today that'll help you a little bit. Where do your allegiances lie? Am I a Part-time Christian, or am I a full-time Christian? And to answer that, you may say, well, what day of the week is that? Am I lukewarm, am I hot, or am I cold for the things of God? And so, just over the past couple months, I begin to see stuff really within our society. And stuff begin to bother me a little bit, just to the degree where I sense God saying, you need to speak on these things. To give people a biblical perspective of their decision making, not not just in church, but everyday life. So, open up with me here to Proverbs chapter 19, verse 27. Cease, stop, quit, ignore listening to instruction, my son. And the consequences will be, and you will stray from the words of knowledge." Now, right here, it's very clear that I I can cease listening to the things of God. I don't have to listen to the things of God. But when that begins to happen, he said, you will stray from knowledge. And so when you stray from knowledge, you're going to be out there on your own. And I believe every one of us in this room, we need biblical structure on how to live our lives. And he's telling us right here One of the ways is we live by the word of God. Go back to Proverbs 4. Proverbs chapter 4. And begin with me in verse 20. My son, give attention to my words. Very important here. Incline your ear to my saying. One translation says consent or submit. So, it's one thing to hear the Word of God, it's another thing to actually live the Word of God, to do the Word of God. Verse 21 Do not let them, my words, depart from your eyes. Keep them, my words, in the midst of your heart. And so, what begins to happen here is the things I see in my life will ultimately impact my heart. Many times, what we see with our eyes will either lead us toward sin or away from sin. And so, again, He's saying, keep the word of God before you. Verse 22. For they, my word, are life to those who find them. It's interesting that he says, to those who find them. And so the word of God just doesn't miraculously fall upon you. I've I got to find him. I, I, I've got to dig into the word of God. I've heard it said this way, that the word of God is buried treasure but you must look for it. you got to dig for it. you got to get into it. And he said it's life. And he goes on to say, the last part of verse 22, and the word of God is health to all their flesh. I believe that when I live by the word of God, not only does it impact the way I live my life, but it literally has health in it. The word of God does. I can believe God. You know, even when we were taking the communion elements this morning, I, and every one of us in here have been impacted by this junk that's gone around, the flu, whatever it is. But I believe there's healing in the Word of God. I mean, it's very clear that the Lord Jesus paid a price. It was literally His body for my body. is His body for your body. Matthew 8, 17, Isaiah 53, 5, um, 1 Peter 2, 24. Every one of those passages Scripture... Talk about that by His stripes I've been made whole. So when I live by the Word of God, there's health in that. Verse 22. Actually, verse 23. Keep your heart with all diligence. Why? For out of it your heart springs the issues of life. You know, Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And so he's saying, man, I've got to keep these things in my heart. I, I can't get away from them. So the, the heart of the issue is the issue of the heart. Now, I want you to go to Psalm 106. And we're going to begin to really let the Word of God teach us today and get on the inside of us. And I believe this is really going to help you. Psalms 106. You know, as you're turning there, I'm I'm going to go, go ahead and read this to you. This is to all of us who have kids, grandkids, whatever. Um, Deuteronomy 5, it talks about the Ten Commandments, not the Ten Suggestions, the Ten Commandments. This is Deuteronomy 6, and I didn't have you turn there. You went to Psalm 106. You did what was right. A little detour here for you just real briefly. This is or Deuteronomy six verse six through nine. Now listen to this. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house. It becomes the center of your conversation. And when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So right here, the word of the Lord, it it tells me the things that I'm required to do as a man of God, but even in the training up of my children. The significance of not only having the Word of God in your house, but you teach them the commandments, you write them on your walls, you have them on your pictures, and so literally day after day, man, my life is always surrounded by the Word of God. Why is that so important? You get God on the inside of you, and you watch what God will begin to do. And so in saying that, this is part of where we're going this morning. We are a nation that is getting further and further away from the word of God. A choice, a decision. We don't have to. And so part of this is to get us where we say, you know what? I gotta get God back into my house, but I gotta get God back into my children. Godly children just don't happen. We just don't wave this wand over them and whoop, there it is. That's a great thought. Train up your children in the way they should go. When they're old, they will not depart. Proverbs 22, 6. But we're in Psalm 106. Verse number 18. Verse 19. They made a calf in Oreb. Who was they? They was the children of God, the Israelites, God's chosen. Now, you remember the passage, or let me brief you on it. Uh, the man of God, Moses, goes up on t- to Mount Sinai to receive the commands from God. And while he's gone, his genius brother listens to the cry of the people. And they decide to create this golden calf. So this is what this is talking about. God's chosen made a calf in Oreb. And they worshipped the, the molded things. The word worship means... They bowed to this golden image. Now what happens to us as human beings? We're going, to, we're going to worship someone or we're going to worship something. And it's interesting here that they begin to, to worship something that was created by man. Verse 20. Thus they changed their glory... Into the image of an ox that eats grass. And so, what this really means is they traded God for a God of their own creation. In other words, they kicked God out. And they said, You know what, God? We think we can do better than you, we don't need you. And as human beings, we all need structure. Every one of us in this room needs structure. And and here's the analogy I want to give you. What would happen to you as a parent or in your house is if you had no structure. Your kids get up tomorrow morning and you look at them and say, You know what, if you want to go to school, go. If you don't, no worries. You don't have to go to work if you don't want. You know what? None of you got to make the bed. None of you got to do the dishes. Just do whatever you want. You know what would happen? Within one day, it would be catastrophic. But see, in our lives oftentimes, we have that thought that we don't need structure as human beings. We do need structure. And our structure, just as your structure in your home comes from the parents instead to, to the kids. Now, in our society, we've kind of got it reversed. It's kind of the kids make the structure to our parents. That's out of order, okay? You weren't called to be their friend. You were called to be their parent. And that's not always fun, okay? The same with Father God. God created every one of us. And if God created us, don't you think He knows what's best? He does. So, verse 21, they forgot God their Savior. All the great things he had done for them in Egypt. Wondrous works in the land of Ham. Awesome things by the Red Sea. And when we begin to look at this, we have the thought, how could they do that? But we're really not any different than them. What do you live for today? Do you live for money? Do you live for fame? Do you live for prestige? See, in saying that, what consumes you? What consumes your thoughts? What consumes your time? See, literally what they did is they rejected God and they said, you know what? We know what we can do in our own life. We don't need you. And to a degree, that's how we've become as a society. Keep reading. Verse 23. Therefore he said that he would destroy them. Had not Moses, his chosen one, stood before him in the breach, Moses stood in the gap. And because he stood in the gap, it was to turn away God's wrath, lest he should destroy them. Then they despised or rejected the pleasant or the blessed land, and they did not believe his word. Again, that's a choice. That's a, I don't have to believe the Word of God. But when I don't believe the Word of God, look what the next thing leads to in verse 25. And they begin to complain in their hearts. What do you complain about? Because when I begin to complain of something, the very thing that dominates me in my complaining is what reveals what matters most to me. And so they begin to complain, and I believe that's what happens when we drift away from the Word of God. We become habitual complainers. That may describe you. That may describe your children. But I encourage you, these next few days, just listen to the complaints of our society. It's unbelievable. And if I'm not careful, I fall into that pattern. I can go to Walmart, and from the time I get there to the time I leave, I complain. I mean, I complain in traffic. I complain about the meal. It's too hot. It's too cold. I don't like this. I, I mean, we've become champion complainers. But this happens, I believe, when we start getting away from the Word of God. And he ends in verse 25 and says, And they did not heed or obey the voice of their Lord. It's not good when a people quit heeding the voice of God. Go into the New Testament, into 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians 10, now as you're turning there. If I don't base my life on the word of God, or I don't structure my life on the word of God. Then what am I basing my life on? How do I structure my life if I'm not doing it by the word of God? And I believe this is where all of us have gotten off at times. So we begin in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And God is a God who's interested in a totally committed relationship with Him. God loves loyalty. Remember one of the covenant names for God is He's a jealous God. In other words... God doesn't want to share you, okay? God wants an exclusive relationship with each one of us. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. The Apostle Paul here is saying, yes, we're, we're humans. And we do live in the present realities of this world. But it's interesting, he said, but we do not war according to the flesh. So he's telling me and you... We are in a war, but it's not with human weapons. But we are in a war. And it's called a spiritual war. And every one of us in this room are in this battle. Verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not of the flesh. But they are mighty in God. They are mighty in God. And so he reveals to us we do have some weapons... Uh, Those weapons can be found in Ephesians uh, chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. You find a lot of them. Also, some of the weapons for me and you as Christians is the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the word of God. Now, if you're born again, you have a right to those. You can use the name. We need to use the name of Jesus. We need to understand what's ours. And so he says here, these certain weapons we have, For our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty in God. So he's telling me right there, we are in a spiritual war. A spiritual battle. And he says these weapons are for pulling down strongholds. Destroying demolishing these strongholds. So now what do we got to do here to understand some of this? What would a stronghold be? A stronghold is anything that opposes the things of God, and all strongholds they begin or birthed in your mind or in your thinking. And the reason they become a stronghold is because this has been a pattern in my life for a long period of time. So I begin to ch- I begin to think in a way. That's not a God. And you may say, well, how do you know what's in your thinking? Well, when he says here at the end of verse 4, for it's the mighty and God for pulling down strongholds, there's a comma there, there wasn't a period. So he keeps talking and he says, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Now, when he talks about casting down arguments... Some of the different translations says arrogant or rebellious thoughts or ideas. Theories. The message says they are for uh, demolishing that entire massively corrupt culture. Warped philosophies. Barriers that are erected against the truth of God. Every loose thought and emotion that must be taken captive. And so every one of us in this room... We have this war that's going on in our minds. Your mind is the battlefield. If you want to read a great book, Joyce Meyer has a book, it's an old book. It's called The Battlefield of the Mind. That's where these strongholds begin to be erected in our life. But Jesus said that there's some weapons you have. Now, a couple things on weapons. Number one, what are my weapons? Do I even know that I have weapons? And even when I do find out I got weapons, I got to know how to use them. A weapon does me no good unless I know how to use them. And so this is part of the process here that we're going to go over the next few weeks. But he ends this and says, bringing every thought into captivity. Every thought. You know, I I can't see back there very well. One of our guys in our praise and worship team in between services, he said, Pastor, that, that passage of Scripture got me. And I said, well, what part of it got you? And he said, "Where it said, every thought. Every thought. And so just with that wording right there, it tells me in you the significance of every thought. And so there's going to be thoughts that are going to come against you on a daily basis. And he said, you got to capture them. Think about it in this sense. You, keep, you can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can sure keep them from nesting in your hair. Let me paraphrase for that. You can't keep thoughts from coming, but you sure can keep them from entertaining them. So there's a war, there's a battle that goes on in my thought life on a daily basis. The next few weeks we're going to talk about it because the Bible's very clear that the way me and you become transformed is to renew my mind to the Word of God. So literally God's telling us, you got to change the way you're thinking. What do you base your thinking on right now? Do you base your thinking on CNN? I hope not. Fox News, I'm telling you, watch enough of that stuff and you'll get real angry. I had a woman in the church came and she said, Pastor, my husband is so angry. And I said, what is he listening to? And she said, he listens to Rush Limbaugh all day and he gets mad. I I, I don't care which one of those you listen to. That stuff will tick you off. Do you get your information from our government? Well, our Supreme Court justices rule this. I love our nation and our Supreme Court justices, but they don't decide for me. He said to bring every thought into captivity, into the obedience of Christ. You know what that means? That I begin to look when words come out, thoughts come out, and I say, is that what Jesus would say? Was that what Jesus would do? Jesus and the Word of God become my structure. I don't want to listen to to, to professors. I don't want to listen to the people of this age. I want to listen to the word of God. Now, let me help you a little bit here this morning. And I did this in the first service, but I won't sing it to you, okay? That would scar you guys. I I was around some guys who went to Bible school with me. And they would sing this, and they had incredible voices. But it, it goes like this. How is your thought life? Have you been dating the devil? Have you and the devil been romancing? Break up with that cat. He's a dirty old rat. All he want to do is ride your back. He'll, the devil, will get you down, down, down to the ground and treat you just like a dirty old hound. Don't listen to the devil because he's a liar All he want to do is try to destroy you. Cast down those thoughts that the devil brings. And use your shield of faith. And you'll always win. Don't treat the thought like it never came. But cast it down in Jesus' name. Whoa, yeah. We'll take a love offering up after the service, okay? Again, The principle was that is thoughts are going to come. I don't have to receive them. I don't have to. So the ultimate goal here is I begin to to learn the word of God. I learn what the scriptures say. And when thoughts start coming my way, the way I look and say if that's right or wrong is based on the word of God. That's not what the word of God said. So if it's not what the word of God said or what Jesus said, you got to get it out. Send it back to the sender. I don't want anything to do with this. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. So where are you at here with all this, Pastor? Well, what's beginning to happen in our society, especially with our young ones, is there's worldviews and clever human beings that are trying to throne Jesus from our hearts and our lives. It's like a big fork in the road. And the devil knows that his time on this earth is not long because Jesus is going to come back. And so literally everything is going just like this. It's funneling very fast, rapidly. And so the closer we get to the returning of Jesus, the more intense things begin to happen. And I believe this is what we're seeing right now in our society, in our schools, that there is a pull to a thing called secularism and humanism that's trying to kick Jesus out. We've kicked him out of our public schools. We've kicked him out of our federal court buildings. We're kicking him out. You know, you, you can say, you can say Buddhist, you can say Muslim, you can say atheist, but I'm telling you right now, you say the name of Jesus and you'll get a response. You'll get a reaction. And so again... I'm not gonna back down from this. I believe this is the things of God. That we make a stand and we begin to to teach our children the word of God. Don't don't let go of your children, okay? Don't let this happen, guys, because it's like we're gonna we're gonna lose a generation if we don't stay focused on the things of God. I don't want to lose a generation. And so we stand up for the truth. And when I talk about the truth, the Bible is the word of God. Only the truth sets people free. Only the word of God. Let me keep reading here. First Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness. It is nonsense to those who are perishing to those who are on their way to perdition the word perdition means destruction so to a group of people in our society and remember people are not my enemy we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities powers rulers of darkness spiritual wickedness in high places that's Ephesians 6:12 but again there's a group of people that looks at the preaching of the word of god or jesus christ as flat out nonsense it's foolish why would you waste your time? Why would you go to church on a Sunday morning? Do you really believe that stuff? Do you really obey the word of God? I, I worked in a secular job for 20 years and I would have guys say that to me. Do you, do you really do that Bible stuff? Yeah, I really do. That's what I'm going to base my life on. See, in my life for 20 years of my life, I didn't know the things of God. And I begin to struggle in life. And there was a time that I've used church as foolish. I thought, that's nonsense. But I came to a place in my life, like many of you, where you begin to look at your life and you say, there's got to be more to my life than what I'm living, what I'm experiencing. I mean, when hugging the toilet is your highlight of your evening. I've been there. Where it wasn't. What would Jesus do is what would Jack Daniels do? I've been there. I understand the realities of life. But I begin to look and say, there has to be more than what I'm living for. And man, when I got born again, woo! you're talking about the things that God begin to happen. And so even in this passages that I'm reading here today, there's a wake up in my life. And the Lord's saying to me even, get your mind back on the word of God. See, we may know those scriptures, but do we do them? Whoa, I better go, hadn't I? Telling stories. Verse 20. No, verse 18. Who are perishing, but us too who are being saved. It's the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise or the wisdom of this world. And I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. I will expose the so-called experts of this time. Verse 20, he uses or gives four questions in this verse. Watch. Where is the wise? One translation says, where is the philosopher? Where is the scribe, the scholar, the educated? And again, I'm not, I'm not against education but i won't put education above the things of god where is the disputer or the debater of this age and so he he talks about the wise he talks about the educated he talks about the intellectual of this present age so this is what this world is moving toward I want to listen to the philosophies of mankind. I want to listen to the educated. I want to listen to the intelligent. They got it all together. That verse is cross-referenced to Matthew 28, 20. It says, teaching them to observe all the things I command. Not teaching me to observe the philosophies of this world. He ends in verse 20 and says, Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Has God not made foolish? When mankind starts creating calves and thinking, we're smarter than God, are you kidding me? Verse 21. For since in the wisdom of the God, the world, and we're going to define what the world means next week, okay? Same bad time, same bad channel. Got to come back. Through wisdom they did not know God, It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Now you know what he's saying to us here? God took great delight in using what the world would describe as the foolishness of preaching. Many people today would say, I can't believe you'd go to church. For an hour, hour and a half on Sunday, that's foolish. You go to church on Wednesday nights? Why? But God took great pleasure, what did He say? In the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Every person has the right to hear the gospel, but I will tell you, not every person will receive it. Verse 22. For Jews request the sign, Jews request a miracle, and the Greeks or the Gentiles, they seek after human wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. We preach Christ crucified. So he's talking about, we preach the cross. We preach the power of the cross And this becomes the point of controversy right here. So we have a group of people that will say, I prefer the philosophies, the reasoning of mankind above the word of God. That stuff, the cross, that means nothing to me. Man, when I look at this, we preach the cross. Listen to what he said. To the Jews, the cross was a stumbling block. To the Jews, the cross was an offense. And to the Greeks, the Gentiles, it was nothing but foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. So you know what God did? He wrapped Jesus up into one. And to the Jews, he said, here's your miracle right here. His whole life was marked by miracles. He was born to a virgin. That's a miracle. If you go back and study all the, the miracles Jesus did while he was here on earth in front of the Jews. And they still wouldn't believe a lot of them. But then to the Gentiles he said, there's your wisdom all wrapped in one. Jesus would baffle them with his teachings because he was so full of wisdom. Verse 25. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is still stronger than men. And so what you begin to see here is there's not just the gap. There's a huge gap in our society right now. Between the preaching of God and God's word and human wisdom there's becoming more and more of rejection of the name of Jesus and the Word of God right here in America than ever before. It's in an independence of God. We don't need a God. We can make our own laws. We can make our own decisions. We can make our own choices. And so this has become a point of contentment right here. For every one of us in this room, I've got to make the decision well, I live by the Bible fully and totally. No ifs, ands, and buts about it. I'm going to live by the Word of God because there's a battle for your heart and it starts in your mind. Every one of us. Two, two years ago, I was in Southern California at a, at a thing. Um, I'll just be politically correct here today. May shock you that pastors going to be politically correct, but I was in a situation where um, I was I was the minority as a Christian, and I was surrounded by um, people with a lot of influence and money, lawyers, um, Hollywood producers, Hollywood actors. Uh, one of the girls that was in our presence that night, two nights before, she's a, a, music, a music musician. She was an artist. She sold out the Staples Center in in LA. And so we're in this setting, and me and Shelley have the thought: Why are we here? Why are we in this situation? And literally, we're the salt of the earth. We're to bring light into a dark world. Every one of us in this room. That's not in a hateful, arrogant, or an ugly way. I'm to walk in love and just love people. But again, I'm called to tell people the truth. Sometimes people, it's like Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson. When Jack said, you want the truth? You can't handle the truth. You can handle it, Rich. But oftentimes, this is what happens. So as this evening goes on, there's a, a young lady there who was a model for every major modeling company in America. Uh, just one of these young ladies that is strikingly beautiful. I mean you're looking and you're like, golly, I mean just beautiful. And so she begins to everywhere Shelley goes, she's she's moved by Shelley. And she would get real close to Shelly. And I remember she said to us, or actually she didn't say to me. This doesn't happen that often with me. She said to Shelly, she said, you look so young. That's why it didn't happen to me. I don't know if it's the hair that gives it away or what. And she says to Shelley, how old are you? And Shelly says, I'm in my 50s. And the girl goes you know and she would touch her face I remember and she said do you have children and Shelly said yeah I have two kids that are both in their thirties no I have grandkids no you can't have grandkids and she said specifically how do you look so good and Shelly said because of Jesus because of Jesus Jesus has preserved me you're seeing a result of the love of God. And so she starts sharing the love of God, and, and I never forget this young girl looks and says, there's more than one way to God. There's a lot of ways to God. I serve Mother Earth. And when she said that, I thought, you, you serve Mother Nuttos, what you serve. <laughs> I didn't say that, Okay. I just looked at her and I thought, you know, I I I don't look to the stars for the answer. I serve the God who created the stars. So, I've in my storytelling, I've gotten off track here. I've lost my train of thought. Where I was going with this? So, okay, let me come back. Rewind, 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 rewind. So Shelly says, no, I disagree with you. She said, there's only one way to God. John 14, 16, the Lord Jesus said, I am the way, not a way. I am the way. The truth, not a truth. I am the truth. And I am not a life. I am the life. And in a loving way, she says this to this young girl, and this young girl looks at her, and is like, no, 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 Mother Earth, no, take Mother Earth out of the equation. And so every one of us in this room, I tell you this, that we make a decision about what we believe and what we trust in, and I choose the Word of God because the Word of God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God said heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will remain forever. And that's what I love about this book, that it never changes, for any of us in this room. And so I got to come to a place in my life: Do I believe the Word of God? Do I stand on the Word of God? Do Do I treasure this book? I believe we've got to get to that place, and I got. I believe we've got to get that back into our homes. And we begin to talk about the things of God and we become excited about the things of God because there is a move in America to shove God out. But that's not going to happen. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit FaithChurchLubbock.com.